Welcome back to The Shelf Oddities. I'm Serafina. And I'm Eerie. And the oddity I'm feeling like today is very specific, but when I saw it in the oddities marketplace, it really um, reached out and touched my soul. Someone (laughs) is selling a fiberglass mannequin, and he's holding a noose, okay? And someone said, will you mail the dummy? And the person said, he's not in the best condition to do so. He's like fiberglass or something, but he's Mm -hmm. had an incredibly tiresome existence. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yes, I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you? (laughs) Fine. The oddity I am feeling like today is just like a dried bundle of herbs that you'd find in like an old witch's cottage. Yeah. Like useful to some extent, but just like tired and dusty. (laughs) God, we are both tiresome existence today. It's been, it's been, you know. So let's talk about the things that take us out. That almost sounded like a hard cut there, where I was like, let's just move on. Like, (laughs) that wasn't editing oddlings. I just was like, let's talk about something. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about the things that take us out of this reality and let us do a little bit of escapism, which is horror movies somehow. makes us feel better it's the comfort in the chaos my therapist says yes 1000 percent. i've uh the only piece i've ever known were the ashes in my wake thank you hosier <laughs> there's a new a24 movie coming out and this is not sponsored but i saw the ad and it looks like right up our alley basically this girl finds or is like gifted like this hand that used to belong to like a satanist like a mummified hand okay but it looks like a mannequin hand so i don't really understand that but it used to belong to the satanist and if you like put your hand around it it possesses you okay and the movie is called talk to me because you put your hand you like hold hands with this mannequin and go talk to me and then like you your eyes roll back to black and like you're immediately transported and possessed by the the owner of said hand okay and it looks extremely chaotic and um in the trailer they put the dog in a safe spot which i appreciate good i appreciate that they're like we can't forget to put buddy in the laundry room and like lock him out which is just hilarious i'm like thank you for that because no one ever thinks about the fucking dogs yeah or like we gotta protect animals, them honestly well, the cats want to be there, but the dogs for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm interested in that. I, Of course, we love A24 movies. We are both queer and like horror. So, of course, we do. Yeah. But I saw a new one coming out and I got really excited. So if you haven't seen the trailer, check it out. It was just dropped uh, like two days ago. So interesting stuff coming. Uh, I also heard that... Um, there's some Beetlejuice 2 news coming out. Yeah, uh, they've been whispering about Beetlejuice 2 for years now. But like 20. <laughs> yeah, literally. But it's confirmed. Um, it's supposed to come out September 6th, 2024. And according to Fangoria, because of course I read Fangoria, um, <laughs> I guess they're casting Willem Dafoe in it. Hmm. Which, like, I love that fucking goblin man, honestly. Yeah, I don't know who he's going to play, but I know he's going to do it right, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I I saw his name, and I'm like, I'm sold. I don't really need anything else. I've heard that they're casting Jenna Ortega, but is that real? I have heard that. I have not seen that in any confirmed sources, but I gotcha. do know that Winona Ryder is coming back to play her original role, so... Cool. Yeah, I thought someone yeah. had said like, they were casting Jenna as like her kid or something. 
Yeah, I heard that as well. I don't. I haven't seen that anywhere officially. I mean, I wouldn't be mad about it. Did you see the Wednesday news? No. Where like she gave an interview where like she Jenna Ortega has way more of a hand in the writing of it, and they're like cutting the whole love interest because like that was it felt so dumb. Yeah, I agree. So I'm excited about that. Excited to see where that goes because I know people shit on Wednesday, but like I don't, I don't care. I, I love a whimsy goth. It was fun. And like I said, we're both extremely tired elder human beings. Yeah. And um, the escapism was fun. So I'm excited for that to come back. Um, even though Netflix really shit the bed in like the last month, they were just really doing Dude, some crazy shit. They are insufferable, to be honest with you. Netflix, if I you agree. hear this, get bent. Hello? Yeah, like, I don't. I don't understand. It is so... You're going to lose so many people. Like... Yeah. Ugh. I think it's funny. So, for those who don't know, Netflix put out a thing where you have to connect to the home IP address uh, at least once every 30 days to be able to stay as, like, an extra profile on the original account. So, basically, like, say your mom pays for it. And you have a profile off of her account, and that's why you don't pay for Netflix. I have this whole theory that Netflix is actually just owned by a bunch of moms who want their kids to come home once a month. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad guess, but it's the only thing that makes sense. I mean, kids that are away at college, people on deployment, like, are we not? Not everyone can like go home every thirty days. Like, that's not a scenario. And they're just like, yeah, fuck you, pay me eight more dollars a month. Like, what? Also, I had to get my own Netflix for the first time in my life. Um, did you really? Like, I'm sure many people did, yes, because I was sharing with a friend. And uh, first of all, like, I'm paying for uh, Netflix with ads, and their ads are actually insufferable. Like, mm-hmm. there are some where it feels like it's okay. Like, Hulu ads really aren't that bad. Netflix ads, I want to fucking perish. Every are they just ads for them. other Netflix shows? Or are they like no? They're like legitimate ads, but they're just so long. It's oh, really? so long. Yes, I see why people are willing to pay fifteen dollars a month for no ads. Yeah, I'm on my family's account, and they pay for no ads. And if I'm just gonna stay on there until they kick me off, like until Netflix kicks me off, because like I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not gonna pay for Netflix. I'm sorry, I don't watch anything on Netflix except for. Wednesday, which will come out once every like three years in Stranger Things, which doesn't come out till next year anyway. So I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to pay for, you know, like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Also, all streaming is like so messed up. Also, I don't know if when this episode comes out, if this strike will still be going on, but look at the WGA strike. It's very interesting. Um, all of the Actors Guild just voted to go hand in hand with their strike as well. So we should see some activity here soon on that, which is really interesting. So I'm hoping by the time this podcast comes out, it's over and done with and the writers get what they fucking deserve, which all comes back to streaming. And um, the streamers are just, they need to get it together. <laughs> they really do. HBO just cannibalized itself again with uh, Discovery Plus. Yeah, to Max, what which is like, fuck? it's like, why did you get rid of the HBO part of your name? That's your identifier. But I mean, go off, I guess. It's the same app. There's nothing different. No, I just had to download another app. Right. Like I used HBO Max every single day. So I knew that app well. It's the same. It's the same layout. They're, they literally changed yeah. nothing. They just added stuff, which is cool. But like, hello. Speaking of uh, Netflix and how we only watch it for certain shows. 
I love trash TV. I think we've talked about this. I like mm-hmm. a good uh, minimal emotional attachment to things. It's just garbage. You're just consuming trash. You get, in fact, you lose brain cells from watching it. <laughs> it's fast like, food. It's content yes, fast exactly. food. Yes, exactly. So I watched The Ultimatum, the new season of The Ultimatum, because my TikTok feed was all from The Ultimatum. And I was like, this is obviously like someone telling me that I need to watch this stupid show. So I watched it. Okay, I've never seen it. So will you explain it to me? Because I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Yeah, so basically it's forcing people into polyamory. But (laughs) like (laughs) actually describe it. It is... A bunch of couples who one of the individuals in the relationship has issued the ultimative of marriage to the other person in the relationship. And the other person has said no for whatever reason. Okay. And they all go on this show where they all date each other. And then they take three weeks where they do like a trial marriage with someone else from one of the other relationships. Okay. And then they go back and they date their original spouse and do a trial marriage with them for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it all, they either marry the person they came there with, they marry someone they met in the experiment, or they leave single. Okay. <laughs> all right. And uh, this season of The Ultimatum is queer. It's all she's and they's. Happy Pride Month, everyone. And it's just... It's fucking time. Let me tell you, if you want good representation of toxic as fuck relationships, I definitely recommend watching it because that's literally what it is. I mean, we're just like straight people. Yeah. You know, like it's literally people are just fucking people. So that's not surprising. That's so no. If you just you want a download of of some queer, but also some fucking just toxic as fuck shit that makes you realize, hey, maybe my life isn't so bad. (laughs) <laughs> they watched the ultimatum all right well that's uh succinct marketing <laughs> we love that <laughs> and then lastly we want to talk a little bit about succession we promise we won't go on forever about it like we have before but it ended this month yes tv's over as we know it no i'm sorry and i did grieve it like i lost a friend or a very dysfunctional family member <laughs> Um, but this episode comes out at the end of the month, so we're hoping enough time has passed that if you are watching it, you've had time to finish it. If not, skip ahead a couple of minutes. What did you think about the finale? We haven't really had a lot of time to talk about it. We haven't. Um, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, me too. I think that they tied things up in the best way they possibly could tie things up without doing a time skip. Yeah, 100%. I didn't realize uh, until Dave told me that the, this last season, every episode was a day in real time. Like, this was 10 days of their life. Oh, I didn't realize that either. I didn't know that. I thought that there was at least, like, a week or whatever. There's not. There was 10 days in real time, um, which is crazy because, like, yeah. 10 days of that being your real life would be... Hell. Hell, and I mean it was it was for all of them. Um, I at no point knew what was going to happen in the ending, but I would like to say by the end of season one, I did call who was going to quote unquote win, um, which everyone gave me so much shit for because no one likes that character. I already told people if they didn't want to be spoiled. I don't know why I'm tiptoeing around it. I from the first season have been like Tom's going to fucking win this. Tom is the only one who like will kneel and kiss the ring all his way yeah. to the top. 
Uh, that's what he, he did with Shiv. Yep. I mean, just to even get married to his wife was him belittling himself and whatever. But there's a certain type of hmm, corporate courage that comes with that, that it works. Um, but I, I did. I was like, Tom's going to be at the top. And everyone hated me for that because everyone hates Tom. And I don't know if I necessarily hate Tom even still to this, like, this moment because Tom just did what Tom had to do for Tom. I always felt like he was the only one where his own motives were the only ones that were clear. And I also felt like he was the only one that was relatively explicitly honest. I would agree with that. He has so many iconic moments throughout the whole series. But there was a there's a time, and I think season three, maybe. Yeah, season three, I think, where he, you know, Kendall's like, come to our side, be with us. And he's like, I've seen you get fucked loads of times. I have never seen Logan get fucked. And that's who I'm going to stick with. And he did. Yep. And he stuck with He was honest. And he stuck with it. When Shiv asked him how he was feeling, he was honest. Like, he was the only one I thought that was never lying, but was always going to do what was best for him. And that uh, gets you to the top in these kind of awful corporate scenarios. I would like to take a second to uh, be like, how nice is it that we're not in that scenario? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> yeah. How great is it to be to know that, like, I, I can actually probably trust the people around me for the most part, you know, and like be comfortable with them and know that, like, they're not out to stab me in the back? Because, you know, when you're poor, at least you don't have people who want what you have, you know? Yeah, very true. And, and that's kind of nice. And I'm not, not that I'm going to say I'm poor, but when you're, when you're just doing the basics, <laughs> when like you're, you just got the basics, like, you know, people people want way more than that. And uh, it's it's nice knowing that that's not a scenario um, that we have to be worried about because I couldn't I couldn't imagine having the whole world in your hand and like your siblings being like, mm, get fucked. Yep. Constantly <laughs> knocking it out of your hand, basically. Yeah. Or choking you or like, <laughs> you know doing any of this stuff and um i will say that uh every single day i will miss roman roy for the rest of my life i hate yeah. him he did he support a nazi and then lose that grip immediately yes of course because he yes, he's he a did. fucking idiot but yeah. the one-liners i'll never get over the one-liners i will i will miss that wit every day yeah i agree and I'll miss the writing, honestly. The writing was, I don't know. It was just different than anything I'd ever seen on television in the sense of witty and quick, but smart and funny in, in a way that made you laugh at the people who were saying it and laugh at what they were saying at the same time, which is, I don't know, kind of fun. I don't know. I feel like Succession let me partake in a small amount of maybe what a bully feels yeah in the sense of being like kendall if you don't get in the fuck together what the fuck are you doing but also he's baby girl so like i get it you know barbs for connor roy go off <laughs> never forget fun. never forget well yeah exactly um so yeah the season definitely wasn't what i thought it was going to be it didn't necessarily end exactly like i thought but it was good and also i'm sorry i will watch a scars garden whatever they're in yeah, I agree. They're always good. All of them. I don't care what it... Have you ever seen Big Little Lies? No, I have not. That's one that I think I've been pushing you to watch for a really long time. And now that like every good television show just ended all at the same time, added to your list of shit to watch Big Little Lies, especially the first season, is some of the best 
storytelling I've ever seen. It's one of, um, I always want to call her Carrie Underwood, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, It's from her production company. And she's in it with Nicole Kidman. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's like 10 episodes, same, I mean, kind of same idea for HBO, but it's like women's stories being told with women and uh, the same Skarsgård that's uh, in Succession. He's in that and he plays a terrible character because they all only ever play terrible characters. It makes me nervous about what they're like in real life, but... That's not true. What about the... What about fucking Barbarian? You're right. You're right. That Skarsgård was was kind. That was a good guy. <laughs> that was a good Skarsgård. But yeah, very good. Uh, the soundtrack is really great, and uh, the the storytelling is really good. I would say it's it's one of my top HBO shows, and that's saying a lot considering how much I love so many HBO shows. But it's one of those iconic ones where I'm like, if you have ten hours to spare, like get into it because it is it's it's wonderful. And now it's finished. So if you're one of those people who's like, I don't yep. want to watch something that's being released weekly, it's over. You can binge it all. Yep. And there's two seasons of Big Little Lies, and they're both good. They really are. They're both good in such different ways. But that first season is like a full masterpiece. It's like, it's just HBO, once again, not an ad. HBO, when they're not fucking around with their apps, they really put out content that, it, you know, like their tagline used to be like, it's not TV, it's HBO. And I agree. Now it's not HBO, it's Max. Yeah, it's not HBO, it's Max. That would have been funny <laughs> if they would have made that. <laughs> they should have done that. But yeah, I I really do. I, I really like a lot of their content. So I am I am excited to see what they move forward with next, even though I, I might walk back that in a, in a couple months because they're continuing to go on with House of Dragons, even though their writers have struck. Mm. And that always leads to bad television. So I don't know. I, I I will never, I don't want to play devil's advocate. I don't know if they just were in the middle of it and like it's already been written and they're just losing the writers that they would have on set, which is a super important job. But also I can't imagine how much money that they have invested in it. Cause that, that's like, you know, millions of dollars per episode. So I don't, I don't know what the scenario is. Um, but I hope they get it together, or I hope they're at least paying a writer a really good amount to be on set or something, because you can't have you can't have a TV show and not have writers on set. Sorry, not an option. So hopefully, yep. hopefully they're figuring it out. We just don't know all the information on that, or they do something because that's disappointing. And that show, I think, means way too much to them for to have it go bad. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, the writers are doing okay and the strike is going okay. And like I said earlier, please check it out. Hopefully, it's done by the time this podcast comes out. But if it isn't, I'm still going to support them because people fucking deserve what they're worth. 100%. So, with all of that being said, you want to get into it? I'm going to add one more thing because it's okay. relevant to me and everyone else is forced to listen to me in this podcast. So okay. they announced that they're adding a new cereal flavor and a new character to the group of monster cereals that released around Halloween. Yes, yes. Her name is Carmella Creeper. Okay. The cereal flavor is caramel apple cereal. Oh, shit. It's like a toxic green color. Oh, and shit. she's supposedly the long lost cousin of Frankenberry, and she's also a zombie DJ. Yay! Oh, I'm so excited. I cannot wait for those to come back. They're so good. 
Yes, she's the first female in the group, too, I think. The rest of them are male. She's the first new monster serial character in 35 years. Thank God. Women breaking glass ceilings. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, I have to tell you it. something. Yes. I have an open an unopened box of Frankenberry still in my, pa- my pantry. I have uh, two open boxes. I think one of them is uh, Brute Brute, because I never got to try it, and something else. The Frankenberry's gone, because that's my favorite. Yeah, I think it's unopened, so I mean, if you want it, I'm just saying. Bro, I don't know if that's still good. What do you mean? What do you mean? It's only been like six months. <laughs> I'm just okay. kidding. It's been like nine, but it's been sealed. Zero will outlast us all. You probably know so many preservatives <laughs> and sugar. <laughs> anyway, on that note, let's get into today's episode. So today... I am covering the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, also known as the Weston State Hospital. Hell yeah. So, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was constructed between 1858 and 1881 and is the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America and is purportedly the second largest in the world next to the Kremlin. What? Yes. That's a high bar. (laughs) It is. (laughs) It was designed by the renowned architect Richard Andrews following the Kirkbride plan, which called for long rambling wings arranged in a staggered formation, assuring that each of the connecting structures received an abundance of therapeutic sunlight and fresh air. I kind of vibe with that. Yes, I did not know about the Kirkbride plan, so I'm going to get into that right now because I thought it was fascinating because there's... Mm -hmm. A lot of asylums actually built that way. Really? The Kirkbride Plan was a system of mental asylums designed, advocated by American psychiatrist Thomas Story Kirkbride, 1809 to 1883, in the mid-19th century. The asylums built in the Kirkbride design, often referred to as Kirkbride buildings or simply Kirkbrides, were constructed during the mid to late 1900th century in the United States. The structural features of the hospitals, as designed by Kirkbride, were contingent on his theories regarding the healing of the mentally ill, in which environment and exposure to natural light and air circulation were crucial. The hospitals built according to the Kirkbride plan would adopt various architectural styles, but had in common the, quote, batwing style floor plan, housing numerous wings that sprawl outward from the center. Hell yeah. So um, there is actually a list of Kirkbrides all that are like still standing. Um, you can find that on kirkbridebuildings.com if you're interested. Love that they have a website. Also, why do I, I got like this deep pang of sadness of like, imagine what hospitals would look like now if, pe- if like they were designed for the patient's care in mind, but also with like correct sciences. Because I mean, fresh air and sunlight is always good for a person, but then like to have... I mean, this was, you said 1858, right? So, I mean, this is even before we knew about blood types. You know what I mean? It's like, imagine what they would look like now. And also if they were used the way where they were uh, actually supposed to be used, because I can tell you that um, while it was built for that, it was certainly not used for that. So Well, yeah, it's 1858. (laughs) No one cares. Yeah, no one cares. Like, great idea. But anyway, get fucked. So, in popular culture, um, because this building has been around for a long-ass time, so of course, you know, it's been used for a few things. Uh, The former Mm. facility was featured as a haunted location on several 
paranormal television shows including Ghost Stories, Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters, Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Lockdown, as well as Portals to Hell, and Sam and Colby has done a couple episodes on there. Have they really? That's interesting. Yes. Uh, I tried to find the Ghost Adventures episode and literally could not find it. I've seen it before because I definitely, when you said it, which we also, we haven't said where this is yet. Where is the Trans-Allegheny? It is in West Virginia. Mountain Mama. Sorry. It, you, <laughs> I just, I literally set that up because it's been stuck in my head. Um, why, why couldn't you find it? It just wasn't on there. It wasn't on Discovery Plus. Uh, I tried to also buy it on Amazon. It wasn't on there. Yeah, it's on here. I see it. I swear to you that I went looking for it when I wrote these notes. No, I'm sorry. I mean, like, it exists on the internet. Yes, it does. I was able to Google it, but when I tried to find the actual episode, like, in the episode list, I couldn't find it for whatever reason. Oh, you know what's kind of weird? Debbie Constantino and Mark Constantino were in that episode. And do you know what happened to them? I do, yes. So I don't know if, I think they took down a lot of episodes that had them in there. That could have been why. Um, yeah. Not all of them, but that could have been one of the ones. But it was season three, episode one yes. back in the day. It aired on, on Halloween in 2009. Oh, fun to know. Interesting. Uh, there are also on the Travel Channel's website, they cover, like they do a article about this. And there's videos where they interview some of the Ghost Adventures crew. So if you want to see Ghost Adventures talking about this, you can do it that way. But yeah, the episode is like not findable. So That's when so weird. We covered um, the Ohio State Penitentiary. I did like a, this is what happened in the Ghost Adventures episode. In this episode, I'm going to do that for one of the Sam and Colby videos. Oh, um, yeah. Because they covered it during Hell Week. Um, mm. they've, they've been there twice. So they did a video two years ago and then they did one like seven months ago. So they've, you know, done their fucking time <laughs> going oh, to this yeah. place. Also, this facility was featured in Fallout 76 under the name what? Fort Defiance, acting as a base for the Brotherhood of Steel. Wow. Yeah. Wild. Love that West Virginia coming out in Fallout 76. <laughs> when the Civil War broke out, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was still in the early stages of construction. The southernmost wing had been completed, and a basement and foundation for the massive central structure had been excavated and walled in. In June of 1861, Virginia's succession from... Succession? Secession? (laughs) (laughs) They pulled a Tom. (laughs) They pulled a Tom. Virginia's secession from the Union brought all non-war-related work to halt. At 5 a.m. on the morning of June 30th, 1861, the citizens of Weston were roused from their sleep by the sound of drums, fifes, and marching soldiers entering their town. Don't you hate it when a fife wakes you up? (laughs) Right? Like, 5 a.m. fife, like... (laughs) Shut the fife up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, This would have been the 7th Ohio Infantry, which had marched all night from Clarksburg, approximately 25 miles to the north. In command was Colonel Erastus Bernard Tyler. What a fucking name. Er Erastus. Erastus. Who was familiar with the area and well known to many of its citizens. 
Tyler ordered his troops to sweep through the town and seize any individuals suspected of Confederate sympathies. Hell yeah, Hell yeah. Call them out, bro. Maybe they deserve that 5 a.m. <laughs> fife. Well, you know what? You're probably right. The partially built asylum and surrounding grounds became Camp Tyler, establishing Weston as an important military post vital to the control of the well-traveled roads in the area. The completed southern wing of the asylum provided barracks, and the main foundations served as a stable. Control of the area would change hands several times during the war, as it always does. Confederate raids in 1862 and 1863 temporarily dislodged the Union troops, and in 1864, raiders stripped the asylum of all food and clothing intended for its first group of patients, which is like, oh, big yikes. Ouch. At the end of the war, the completion of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was prioritized. Consequently, while so many other towns were financially ruined by the war and would remain destitute for a decade, Weston did not experience a post-war depression. Business boomed as the asylum established itself as the primary economic resource for the town. It would remain so until it was closed 130 years later. Which is insane. Like, wow. That is crazy. I mean, that means it closed very recently. Yeah, uh, I think it was in the late 90s. 94, I believe. Yeah. I'll cover the exact date later um, in this story. But it's just, obviously, it's America because a mental institution is their economic resource. Well, yeah. Could you imagine how much PTSD was left over from the Civil War that they didn't even know PTSD was a thing? So they were like, ah, Jim's gone crazy. It's like, well, Jim's leg got sawed off in the middle of a field, so. Jim sawed his own leg off in the middle of a field. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Mm. The situation, not the person. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I, um... I also wanted to mention that this is the second haunted location where it was a military camp first. Well, yeah, because it's bad vibes and a bunch of people dying left and right. Yeah, I know. It makes sense. It's just... I thought it was weird that I accidentally covered two places in a row that were like that. That wasn't my intent. I just ran Hey, that's kind of the season. Well, it's season two, so it makes sense that everything's coming in twos, right? Yeah. The universe just be... Be doing. (laughs) Do be doing. Yeah, it's... It is wild, but it makes sense. Also, both of them relatively close to each other, too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... That is the weird thing about the Civil War when it comes to our area or, like, this specific, like, tri-state area is that, like, we were on the direct line of the Civil (laughs) War. Like, literally, the river cuts it. So, like, there are people who, like, their family moved across the river. Like, you could wave to each other on the sides of the river and, like, they were fighting each other in the war. Mm -hmm. Which, like, is bad and, like, not great. And also, like, it leaves a lasting impression on an area. And also, like, in a hundred years, not even, maybe, like, 40, 50 years before that, they came through here and, and knocked out a bunch of tribes. So it's, like, yep. bad on bad on worse on bad. Yep, and it never really got better. It never got better, really, <laughs> at all. So let's move on from the depressing Civil War era and move on to the just as depressing <laughs> 19th century. Sounds great. Can't wait. <laughs> Uh, construction picked back up in 1862, following the admission of West Virginia as a U.S. state in 1863. The hospital was renamed the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane, which, not great. I mean, even the 
Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum name is also not great. But, you know, kind of meant different stuff. People don't realize how freaking terrible they are, so. No, and also, I think it's easy to look back on things with our eyes, knowing what we know now. But, like, back then, like, murder was so often the answer for things that, like, anyone getting mental health care was crazy because they just, like, leave babies in the woods. Yep. So, it is... I'm sure in their time, it was very progressive. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, and built with the uh, the Kirkbride method, you know? Right. Like, I'm sure there was a conversation in the town about, you know, why don't we just get rid of them? Because that's how things work around here. But yep. I'm, I'm sure at the time it was super progressive. And who knows? I'm, I'm sure you're going to tell me horror stories. So let's let's jump into it. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, The first patients were admitted in October 1864, but construction continued into 1881. Whoa, 20 years? Yeah. I mean, they never, to be fair, they didn't have, like, bobcats. You're right. You know (laughs) what? You're right about that. Why why have we talked about bobcats so frequently in the last couple episodes? I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) It's a a Midwestern thing, I think. The hospital was intended to be self-sufficient, a farm had a dairy waterworks and cemeteries were located on its grounds which ultimately reached 666 acres um excuse me (laughs) yes i was like you kept going i was like 600 okay six oh six oh oh, shit they really also there are 13 buildings on the property what the fuck and i hope and i oh you know what's crazy I think I'm now remembering that episode of Ghost Adventure. Are they like brick buildings and there's like a tunnel system underneath? Uh, I don't know much about the tunnel. There's one that they cover that's like a a wide property with like a bunch of buildings. And it's like really like the episode to watch is like really traumatic. So this one, and I'll talk about this a little later. The higher you go up in the building, the more haunted it gets. I don't know. I can't remember it. I, I think. I think I'm just remembering all of the trauma of watching anything that deals with an asylum because yeah, they're scary. Not they're scary, but people were treated so terribly. Yeah, I'm about to get into that. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. So 666 acres, 13 buildings, a farm, yeah. a dairy. Yeah. And a cemetery. Waterworks and cemeteries. Yeah. Were they like putting the their patients to work? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And, right. and they had staff. Okay. Well, I mean, I would, I would hope they had staff, but it's interesting. All right. Get into it. Thousands of people were buried on the property, including some people who were just buried in the cemetery because their families just couldn't afford to get them interred somewhere else. Oh, God. Which, you know, that's sad as fuck and yeah. a lot of energy for sure. I think that's an important thing to think about, too. And you mentioned the surrounding towns were poor. Yes. I would say up until very recently, a lot of space in that area that's in between Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, like that was like a very poor town. My mom actually grew up on like in that area. And we'd go there like every year, you know, we'd like go in and like say hi. And like it's definitely like changed a little bit now, but like it, it definitely was like a, a poor, poor country space. We're not talking, there's no bustling cities. There's not the closest thing is like Pittsburgh, and that's like mm-hmm. hours away. 
So I'm going to cover this in one bullet point, knowing very fucking well that we will do an episode on just this specifically. I'm not going to get into it. I just want to mention it. Trigger warning, obviously, because this is traumatic. Any eerie episode, I think, is traumatic, but uh, specifically this part. So back then, patients were admitted into the asylum for a variety of reasons, Mm -hmm. including asthma, laziness, egotism, domestic troubles, and even greediness. This led to an overwhelming number of patients being admitted, causing Mm -hmm. the asylum to face a shortage of staff in beds. And like I was saying, we're going to cover this more in depth one day because Serafina and I have talked about this topic many times and about how admission into asylums back then was extremely racist. Mm -hmm. It was extremely sexist. Mm -hmm. And people were often admitted for being no for for no good fucking reason. Like, you know, into these poor, poor fucking conditions, because when you do that, when you admit everyone, people who are not needing to be admitted you have too many fucking people. Yeah. Well, and then also you have the situation of your evil brother who kills cats for fun on the farm gets admitted because your parents don't want to deal with it. And he's put into a room with someone who can't talk. Yep. And so he can just do whatever the fuck he wants to that person or to the surrounding area. And like, well, like you have a lot of people who had very nefarious things going on placed with people who who were powerless and couldn't do anything to themselves and that only creates more trauma and more i mean terrible energy terrible everything i mean these people were put into such bad conditions for no reason and for a full reason like that hospital could have served a good purpose if yeah it wasn't like oh my wife doesn't make me a cocktail when i come home I caught my wife masturbating and now she needs to go to the fucking... Exactly. And I also struggle... We struggle with this a lot or we talk about this a lot because we're both women who would have been placed in those, that 100%. scenario. And yeah. it's terrifying. And that's why, like, I I remember watching those episodes being like, oh, I definitely would have pl- been placed in here by my parents. Yep. 100%. Like, it would have just been normal for the culture. It absolutely would have. So, moving into the 20th century... They changed the name to Weston State Hospital in 1913. Originally designed to house 250 patients in solitude, the hospital held 717 patients by 1880, 1,661 in 1938. Holy fuck. Over 1,800 in 1949. At its peak, 2,600 in the 1950s. So a thousand times more than what they were supposed to. Yes. Fucking cry. Okay. A series of reports by the Charleston Gazette in 1949 found poor sanitation and insufficient furniture, lighting, and heating in much of the complex. While one wing, which had been rebuilt using Works Progress Administration funds following a 1935 fire started by a patient, was comparatively luxurious. What? Yep. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. The lack of proper care and access to sanitation led to a large number of deaths. While the official count of patients who have died in the asylum is not available, historians have estimated the number to be uh, between 400 and 500. Just from neglect? I mean, that and them killing each other. Also, there were 
tons of reports of doctors experimenting on people. Mm -hmm. There were tons of reports of doctors and staff physically, mentally, and sexually abusing patients. Like, there was no winning here. Like, everything was bad. This is just a level of hell. Yes. I think if I'm remembering correctly from the episode, there was a nurse who, like, she would, like, overwork herself because, like, she was trying so hard to, like, help these people and there were doctors who were removing teeth from patients because there weren't enough nurses to brush teeth and so they were just removing them yeah i didn't um find any of that in my research but i could definitely see that um you know oh my god yeah this is it's dark it's it's dark dark. it's really sad yeah and it's about to get worse so Weston State Hospital found itself to be the home of the West Virginia Lobotomy Project in the early 1950s. Okay. This was an effort by the state of West Virginia and Walter Freeman to use lobotomy to reduce the number of patients in asylums because there were severe overcrowding. Wonderful. In the Sam and Colby episode, they mentioned that Walter Freeman performed over 3,000 lobotomies. I found over 4,000 lobotomies listed for this asylum as well. Some even on children as young as four years old. Excuse me? Yes, because they would send children there for bad behavior and they would give them a lobotomy so that they would be, they would act better. What the fuck? Oh my god. That would have been me. Same. That would have been, oh my god, oh, that breaks my heart. Yeah, it's it's really fucking sad. Uh, one of the people that Sam and Colby interviewed, they were a tour guide there. She said that the lobotomy was considered to be a soul stealer. Yeah. Which, like, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Holy shit. So. Have we ever talked, we haven't. I really want to do an episode on Rosemary Kennedy. Oh yeah, so I would love to cover Rosemary because I it's it's one of those things that you know there are certain things in this world no matter who you are you're gonna attach yourself to things because they relate to you, and there are certain struggles in this world I'll never be able to relate to right because I have never been through them, but Mm -hmm. like the whole lobotomy of women that affects every woman ever Mm -hmm. right one hundred percent every like but like as a mentally ill child and teenager like. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I would I would not have made it out of that. Me either. Also, uh, mega trigger warning, I am about to go into lobotomies just a little bit here because I think it's important to talk about Walter Freeman and how much of a piece of shit he was. Yeah, it's um, important to talk about why you can't just silence people. Yes. So Walter Freeman invented the transorbital lobotomy procedure because he wanted to simplify lobotomies so that it could be carried out by psychiatrists in psychiatric hospitals where there were often no operating rooms, surgeons, or anesthesia, and limited budgets. What the fuck? The ice pick transorbital approach, a transorbital lobotomy, involved placing an orbitoclast, an instrument resembling an ice pick, under the eyelid and against the top of the eye socket. A mallet was then used to drive the orbitoclast through the thin layer of bone into the brain. And these procedures are being performed by people who are not doctors, who do not know how this works, do not know how this affects people, but they do know that it works and silences people, Mm -hmm. and that's why they're doing it. Yeah, if you stab someone in their brain. Yeah. Yeah. 
Freeman's transorbital lobotomy method did not require a neurosurgeon and could be performed outside of an operating room, often by untrained psychiatrists without the use of anesthesia by electroconclusive therapy to induce seizure and unconsciousness. Awful. I mean, awful. it's just awful. Fucked. Fucked. And, and 4,000 of these were done on this property. Yeah. I mean, probably more than that. Yeah. You, like, yeah. By the 1980s, the hospital had reduced population due to changes in the treatment of mental illness. Those patients who could not be controlled were often locked in cages. What the like, fuck? Like, fucked. As you know, and, like, there's no people to, like, regulate this, so I'm sure they're locked in there forever and are just in pain and not being taken care of and just Well, there's fucked. no staff. No. And not enough staff. So, you know, these people aren't getting fucking fed probably on time or locked in a cage anyways because they can't be controlled and there's not enough people to control them yep fucked in february 1986 then governor arch moore announced plans to build a new psychiatric facility elsewhere in the state and convert the weston hospital to a prison It already was one, sir. Literally. Ultimately, the new facility, the William R. Sharp Jr. Hospital, was built in Weston, and the old Weston State Hospital was simply closed in May 1994. So a year before I was born? I know. Literally. Like, yeah, that's what you were saying earlier. Like, it was recent. Yeah, that's very fucking recent. Yeah. In our lifetime. After the hospital closed in 1994, the only expansion ever built was a graveyard. Oh, lovely. Like, oh, nice, thanks. The building and its grounds have since been mostly vacant aside from local events such as fairs, church revivals, and tours. I will go more into modern day what's going on here because it is being taken care of now and all of that fun stuff. I included this in here because I read it and I was like, what the actual fuck? In 1999, all four floors of the interior of the building were damaged by several city and county police officers playing paintball. Of course. Three of whom who were dismissed over the incident. What fuck? Oh, it wasn't even sanctioned? They just were like, no, Let's they were it? just in there playing paintball. That is fucking crazy. Okay, type. Efforts towards adaptive reuse of the building included proposals to convert the building into a Civil War museum, a hotel, and a golf course complex. Of course. Um, a nonprofit organization, the Weston Hospital Revitalization Committee, was formed in 2000 for the purpose of aiding the preservation of the building and finding appropriate tenants. And that will bring us into present day, but before we get into present day, let's talk about the hauntings. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, a lot of this information is from the U.S. Ghost Adventures website. I do also add a lot of stuff in here from the Sam and Colby episode um, because they picked up quite a few things while they were there. So, this building is known to be the most haunted place in West Virginia and is in the top 10 most haunted places in the United States. Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Look at the history. (laughs) Right. Supposedly, the higher you go up in the building, the scarier slash more haunted it is. Which, like, normally it's the opposite, so something about right. that is kind of gross. <laughs> like, Hate it. So we are going to start with the back room, also known as Not Dean's the room. room. The back room. The back room. It. Uh, it is also known as Dean's room. It's on the third floor. This is the place that I'm remembering. 
Yeah, because you you're probably going to remember this part. Um, yeah, I remember that. Trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. In a room toward the back end of one wing, a patient was murdered by two others. They attempted to hang him, but when that failed, they placed his head under a bed frame and jumped on it until the bed frame touched the floor. Sorry, I don't have anything to say about that because I'm too busy puking. Yeah. Um, the room is known for its cold spots, quiet cries, which are said to be Dean, who was the one who was murdered in the room. Um, I do also mention the other ghost that is in that room, Big Jim, who is one of the people who murdered Dean. Supposedly, when he manifests, he can melt flashlights. Excuse? Why is this person so, like, full of... Yeah, power, energy, even when they're dead. Yeah. Wow. Um, So next I'm going to go into the isolation cells. Asylum staff were empowered to send their patient into to send their patients into isolation if they were deemed, quote, uncontrollable. This, of course, was up to the discretion of staff that was already irritated and overworked because there weren't enough of them. Isolation was so terrible that patients would do just about anything to get out of it. I bet. One of the tour guides in the Sam and Colby episode mentioned that these cells often had harnesses and straps to keep people, like, strapped in the middle and strapped both of their arms and legs down so that they couldn't lunge in the cells. Oh, my God. A former boxer who suffered from head injuries during his career that left him violent and emotionless attempted to beat down the metal door in his isolation cell. He ended up ripping the door off its hinges, leaving visible dents in the steel, and when he finally got the door off, he handed it to one of the nurses and calmly returned to his room. (laughs) Like, what? He said, not today. Wow. I mean, that... It just shows you, like, one, he was probably, like, pretty popular and probably had, like, some cash. And probably whoever was in charge of his estate was like, we're just going to throw him in a fucking prison, basically. And then he's full of all of this emotion that he can't get out. So much the adrenaline, you know, took over. And yep. and then he was like, all right, tight. I got that out of my system. Like, I'm just going to go sit back in here, I guess. Like Goodbye and good night. Yeah, like... Oh, I couldn't imagine. The isolation rooms tend to have violent energies attached to them, with visitors reporting being pushed or scratched, as well as disembodied voices saying, get me out of here. Huh. That's so sad. Very sad, because they're stuck there even when they're gone. Like, I, the hope is that that's a residual haunting. I hope. That is the hope. That I mean, that's my hope with all of this, because, I mean, like, poor Dean stuck in that fucking room with Jim. Yeah. That makes me, I, yeah, this whole, I, I, I don't even know what to say that's different than, like, why is this so sad? Or, like, how yeah. sad is this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, the second floor bathroom is another haunted location. This room is called the Stabbing Room. Um, they told a story on the Sam and Colby episode about how one patient made a sexual advance towards another, resulting in the patient grabbing a butter knife and stabbing the person who made the advances 17 times, leaving him to die in the bathroom. He supposedly crawled out into the hallway and died. Reap what you saw. It's just... Ugh. It's. I yeah. mean, it's so aggressive. Yeah. But, like, don't be hitting on patients. The ghosts in that room supposedly don't like when you start talking about the incident. They get upset. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. 
So the fourth floor and supposedly the most haunted floor, also known as the most demonic floor, has the most shadow figures, which I fucking hate. Hate it. Also, they have a creeper, which we know all Shut about. Shut the fuck most. up. Yep. Please, uh, please tell me you're not going to talk about that for a long time. Uh, no, I'm literally just going to say it's a shadow figure that crawls on all fours and is creepy and is crab walky and is scary. Uh, Hate it. Seraf- Seraphine and I know about it because of Waverly Hill Sanitarium, which one yep. day we'll cover. But yep. yeah, this is the same exact thing. Like, Hate that energy. Just yeah. don't like it. Bleh. To say the least. Um... More than a few ghosts are known to staff of the asylum, including Lily, a playful and friendly child spirit who is believed to have spent her entire life at the hospital. Back in the day, the asylum operation would bring in pregnant women who would then give birth in the hospital and their baby would live there throughout the mother's day, which is so fucking sad also. That's so sad. Yeah very fucking sad lily is known for her laughter as well as her interest in playing games with staff and visitors who pay her attention she is an active part of the asylum community to this day in the sam and colby episode they talk a lot about how people report a darker presence in lily's room that feels very masculine which to me is like so maybe lily isn't lily and that's a fucking woman pretending to be a kid yeah yeah or the other there's another um if is it aggressive or just as masculine so um in lily's room well when sam and colby went into lily's room and they were trying to get lily like an evp of lily Mm -hmm. they pick up a deep voice saying lily or i'm lily in in oh okay Never mind. I was going to be like, well, maybe it's someone who wants to protect Lily, and no. that's the most charitable take. Never mind. I take all of no, that back. They claim to be Lily. And, like, what's weird is they say the creature, or I say creature because that's what I think it is. I don't think it's human. I think it's demonic. Yeah. Uh, it says Lily when they are playing back an EVP who was asking who's in the room with them, but the voice was not on the EVP. It was in the room. Oh. So they thought it was the EVP, but then they played it back and it wasn't on the EVP. And then they played it back on the cameras and realized it was in the room with them. Uh, when that happens. Gross. Yeah. Yuck. Other experiences include dark shadows, objects moving on their own, disembodied voices and cries, bangs on the walls, breaking glass, among many other things. I'm sure a lot of that is residual. Yeah. Um, Ghost Adventures supposedly caught really solid evidence of a shadow figure here. Yeah, from what I remember, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. let's get into present day. The hospital was auctioned by the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources on August 29th, 2007. Joe Jordan, an asbestos demolition contractor from Morgantown, <laughs> was the high bidder and paid $1.5 million for the 242,000 square foot building. Joe Jordan began maintenance projects on the former hospital. Today, they run historic tours, paranormal tours, and ghost hunts. They even have ghost hunts where you can stay the night, buddy. Mm. You can stay the night. I'm good. (laughs) So a lot of my information came from their website, which is transalleghanylunaticasylum.com. Oh, good. They went and adopted the old name. Lovely. They did. They did, yeah. So... 
If you are interested in any of that, I definitely recommend checking out the website. It is very fascinating. They do have a bunch of different tours. They also do historic tours, like I was mentioning. So you can kind of go and learn things from there. From what I was gathering in my research, a lot of this information is really hard to get unless you physically go there and do a tour. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe that's why they took down the episode. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. Something I have in my little additional information down here is that when Sam and Colby were in there doing their investigation, they were told in multiple rooms to leave, like, via EVP. They were also, like, asking flashlights yes or no and asking if they should leave, and the flashlight would say yes, like, a ton. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, keep that in mind. I mean, I if we're under the impression, I'm sure that there are a lot of um, inhuman spirits there uh, taking advantage of the scenario. But the other spirits there are humans who passed away in horrid conditions and like just want to like rest in peace and be fucking free of this actual prison they were in. And then like yeah. people are coming around being like, do you want us to leave? And they're like, yeah, me too. Take me with yeah, I, We all need to out. leave. We all don't want to be here. Like, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, that's on that. Um, informative. Terrifying. I hate it. Not great. Not great. I, I, there is a part of me that thinks it's kind of crazy. And I've, I've had this conversation maybe with you before. But there's something that bothers me. And I don't know if it's my love for efficiency or I don't know what the fuck. But I hate that there are so many buildings where people just committed atrocity after atrocity to other human beings. And then instead of taking care of the land or making something good come out of something bad, they just abandon a space. Yeah, I do think that it's pretty fucked. And then they turn it in later to a haunted location. Which I understand because humans are fascinated by things that they don't understand. And the paranormal is one of those things that we don't understand. Sure. But it, at the end of the day, it feels like it's just like a vicious cycle of capitalism. Yeah. Of like, well, we shoved as many people as we could in here for funding or for entrance fees. And then we didn't take care of them because we weren't going to put in the funding or whatever. And then we just let the building go to waste. And now there's 13 buildings on 666 acres. We're only, you know, one of them's in use now. And it's just to hunt ghosts and get money from that. You know, like it's like a kind of, it just kind of feels like, like a, a whole person's lifetime was just used for money. And like that, let alone the other atrocities, but like to reduce people to that, like really sucks. I think that there is a respectful way to do things and a not respectful way and one yeah. i do think it's important to preserve history i know yeah. that history is not great but even the bad stuff it's kind of important for us to learn it so that we know about it going forward and these buildings and things that were built that now are you know epicenters of this horrible fucking energy mm -hmm. like are built in a special fucking way that they don't build buildings like that anymore. So, like, I understand why you would want to preserve it. I yeah. just wish that maybe people would talk about these things and be like, wow, there were actual fucking atrocities. This is fucked kind of. 
like you know i know i think ghost adventures kind of embrace that later in their they, in their later seasons even in the in this episode this episode i think they took it off for multiple reasons but i'm telling you it it's hard to fucking watch because there was a journalist who went in and like interviewed patients or like showed what was happening in a day to day and it was like this awful thing of course and like you're watching like real like real people really struggle and have these awful things happen to them and like i don't know i just feel like in in my utopia where people give a fuck about each other whatever like you would think like a medical university would have taken over this location and turned it into a museum of like how to not treat your patients or like why the Hippocratic Oath is so important and like all of this stuff, you know? Yeah. I do think that the tour guides, at least in the Sam and Colby episode, covered the atrocities very thoroughly and did not make it seem like it was a joke. They seemed very respectful. They covered everything that was really fucked, I think, in a way that was like reasonable. It didn't feel, um, it didn't feel very like wacky wave waving army platable tube man to me. It felt like I tend they to think most shit. docents yeah. give a fuck. Yeah. If you're gonna volunteer yourself in a or even that's that becomes your job or career, you typically give a fuck about the people that came before you and you care about history. And I think those are people who are wonderful. I, I do. I I have to watch the Sam and Colby episodes because I don't think that I have. But yeah, typically in in these scenarios, I I think that the docents or the volunteers care. They're probably the ones that care the most in this horrific timeline we live in, you know? Um, So I don't want to take anything away from them. I just, I don't know. I just think that it's like you, you said, it's important to preserve the history and the idea of we can't let this happen again. Or like these kind of things happened and we should know about them and do better yeah do way better and 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 make sure that people are getting treated with you know kindness and care and i'm very grateful for modern medicine because i'm sure a lot of those kids i mean it's awful to say like you know to put them on medication or you know whatever because i know that's not the perfect excuse but like instead of having a million people locked up in solitary confinement, it's like, oh, well, we just give him a low dose of Xanax and he kind of just paints now. Yeah. And just hangs out and, like, he'll occasionally crack a really funny joke or, like, you know, like, stuff like that, where it's way better than, like, oh, no, we were ripping people's teeth out because we couldn't brush them. Like, Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, there is uh, zero excuses for what occurred here. There's also zero excuses for lobotomies, like yeah, legitimate uh, at all. I don't. I. It's so hard because as someone who loves history and as someone who talks about history as much as we do, I try to be as charitable as I can, even though most of history is bullshit. Yeah. Right. When you look back at it, you're like, what in the fuck were any of you thinking? And people could only do the best they could with what they have. But like, if the best you can do is an ice pick. Yeah. Not even in a fucking surgery room, like in a fucking chair in a hallway somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That to like alter the life for the rest of the time, alter the soul. Yeah. Soul stealer. Yeah. It's just really sad and horrific. 
It's horrific. I finally came up with a new word. Horrific. Horrific. That's how well, I feel. Talking about any of these, yeah, definitely just feels horrific. Not good. Yeah, definitely not. It's not a. It's not fun. Even though. I love the paranormal side of all of it. Like that is, it's interesting, right? Like there's that part. Price that was paid for that. There's though. a huge price that was paid for that, and I, I just, yeah, I just don't want people to forget that. No, nope, don't forget that. And if you're still here listening to us, this is not going to be the last time we're on this soapbox because <laughs> it's very important to us that when yeah. we cover these haunted locations, we talk about why they're haunted because typically they're haunted because of the fucking horrific atrocities that occurred on the land. Yeah. So if you're still here, thank you. <laughs> of course, we appreciate you. I'll probably cover something less horrific, but I won't make any promises next time. And uh, stay odd, Arcadia.